Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, Child and Teen Development Specialist, author and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but we're in this together, and thankfully, we have some wonderful people to call on along the way. We all want our children to feel safe, secure, and engaged in their lives. But when big bad things happen in the world, from mass shootings to natural disasters to other tragedies detailed on the news and filtered through the adults at the restaurant, the neighbors on the street, the kids on the bus, and friends at school, the world can feel a little less safe and secure for many of our children. How can we reserve our kids' feelings of optimism, safety, security, strength, and that inexplicable feeling that comes with a carefree childhood when scary things happen across the world, across the state, and across the street? For this important topic, we turn a second time to past podcast guest, Dr. Don Hebner, who you'll remember from our discussion about worry and anxiety and how to help our kids when they worry too much. A great and helpful podcast episode that I urge you to listen to after this one. Dr. Don Hebner is a clinical psychologist and parent coach specializing in the treatment of anxiety. She's the author of nine books for children, including the perennial bestseller, What to Do When You Worry Too Much, and more recent, Outsmarting Worry. Dr. Hebner's newest book, coming out this week, is called Something Bad Happened, and provides support for children learning about big bad things happening in this world. Dr. Hebner has been featured on the news and information outlets, including the Today Show, CNN, Parents Magazine, and more. She maintains a private practice in Exeter, New Hampshire. I'm so glad to have you on this time, this second time. So welcome, Don Hebner, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Thank you for having me. Um, It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. This next book right now is so good. It's Unfortunately needed very much uh, as continuous things happen in our world that we really do need to discuss. But before we get into the thick of things, for those who haven't had the opportunity to meet you and to read your books, would you just tell us what gets you up in the morning and what got you so interested in writing a book for kids and parents about what to do when big bad things happen in our world? So for a number of years now, I've been focusing on the treatment of anxious children and their parents. And it's it's a world that I love because anxiety can be so debilitating, but it's actually quite treatable if people learn some specific techniques or tricks or skills. 
But I was finding in my practice that although I, I focus with children on fear of unrealistic kinds of things, that increasingly I was seeing that kids were voicing fears that were more realistic, fears about bad things that actually do happen, not not just bad things that kids imagine um, could happen, but things that do happen. And I realized that there was a need for um, a tool, for a book to help kids who are learning about the big bad things that actually do happen in our world. Mm, so needed. And unfortunately, it's a discussion I feel like we're having more and more with kids. It's hard to escape stories about horrible things happening in the world. Uh, as we mentioned at the top, mass shootings, uh, wildfires, floods, the latest hurricane damage, and more even recently, uh, I got a message on Facebook uh, just this past week from someone who told me that she was quite shocked and surprised that the child who she cares for, um, she's her nanny, who is in kindergarten, was told at her school about what happened on September 11th, and now the child is frightened and doesn't want to go on the family trip to California since she'll be taking a plane. So when it comes to these terrible things that have happened, um, even things that happened in the past. Many parents and caretakers feel strongly that they, they want to protect their children. They want to shield their children from learning about these things. And as a parent, I, I absolutely get that feeling. You absolutely wish your children didn't have to know about all these negative happenings. Um, but at the same time, this is what's happening in our world. So in your view, under what circumstances should parents tell children this sort of bad news? Yeah, so the impulse to protect our kids is well-placed, and we do, for the most part, want to keep stories of horrible things that are happening from our children. But there are times that we're not fully in control of that. You know, um, as in the, in the situation that you just described, mm -hmm. there are times that kids just hear about things from friends or they overhear parents talking, they hear a little bit of something on the radio or on the news. So kids kind of hear bits and pieces of things, even though parents might not choose to tell them directly. So it's important for parents to be talking to their children about things that kids are likely to overhear or pick up bits and pieces of anyway. And then the second category of things that we want to tell our children about are um, examples about bad things happening that are illustrative of a point that we want to make or something that we want to teach our children about. So a parent of, um, say, a 10 or 11-year-old might want to talk some about the kinds of disasters that are happening related to climate change mm -hmm. as a way of teaching about climate change, or might want to talk some about some of what's happening in terms of the immigration crisis as a way to talk about a particular issue with a child and help a child develop a deeper understanding of the world that we live in and um, maybe develop empathy and things of that sort. So there are times that parents might choose to talk to their kids about bad things that are happening for those reasons too. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now you start your book off really talking to parents about their reactions, their behaviors, their word choice, basically the do's and don'ts. So what are the do's and don'ts, the pointers that we need to consider for ourselves as parents, as educators, as the key adults in these children's lives when we are delivering this kind of sensitive news to children? 
Yeah, so the book is a book that is written for children. It speaks to children, but there's an introductory chapter for parents that gives some instructions about how to talk to children about difficult things, about about bad news or difficult things. And one of the really important um, pieces is for parents to monitor their own reactions. Mm. So, um, you know, sometimes when a, a terrible thing happens, Adults get swept into the news and are raw themselves about what's happened. And that's really not the time to talk to your child about um, whatever it is that's happened. You want, if at all possible, to take some time to process your own feelings about what's happened, to gather information for yourself so that you can be talking to your child in a calmer way. Kids definitely look to adults for cues about how to feel about things, how dangerous a situation is. And so the more a parent can be on top of their own emotional reaction, the better when that's possible. Another thing for adults to pay attention to is um, timing. So, you know, often the the time of day that parents talk mm-hmm. in a most focused way with their children is bedtime. Mm-hmm. But that's really not the right time to be talking about um, bad things that have happened in the world because kids need to be able to relax and fall asleep and you don't want them to be falling asleep with kind of scary things right in the front of their mind. Mm-hmm. Um And then a couple other just quick things. One is that it's always useful to start a conversation with asking children what they already know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, we sometimes make assumptions, either that our kids don't know anything about what's happened, or that our kids know and understand things that it turns out they really don't understand. So um, it's just useful to kind of start the conversation with an open-ended question. So you might say something like, Um, you know, there was a fire, have you heard anything about it? Mm. Or um, a bad thing happened in a school, I wonder if you've heard anything about that. So, you know, you give just a little bit of information, but then you ask a pretty broad question to find out what kids know. And you want to then be building on what it is that kids already know. As you're doing that building, you want to skip the gory details. So, um, you know, news that we watch and news that we um, get online is often sensationalized um, and, um, you know, kind of extreme language is used to get our attention and to draw us into stories. But we want to be not reporting on the news in that way when we're talking to our children. We want to talk in really a more matter-of-fact way, Um, a more balanced kind of way, a simpler way without the, the, the details, especially the, you know, the kind of gory details about things. Right, right. Because those kinds of details aren't actually helpful in this case. It doesn't indicate what what happened, and it doesn't answer their questions. Uh, And and I'm sure that they're is that point where we need to step back and instead of focusing on what we are providing in terms of information, uh, stepping back and allowing them to ask questions if they need to so that they are guiding more of the conversation rather than us 
filling in details that they may not even be interested in or need to know. Is that or correct? Or need to know. Yeah. Right, exactly. And so it's important for parents going into these conversations to give a little thought to what's the purpose of the conversation? Mm. You know, are, are you informing your child about something you think your child's going to hear about and be frightened about? So you want to give them some information. Um, are you needing to talk to your child about something that has to do with their own personal safety? You know, are you having the conversation for that reason? Are you trying to talk about a broader issue, like I touched on earlier about climate change or or immigration? So for parents to be clear on what's the purpose of this conversation mm. can be really useful. Right, absolutely. Oh, that really puts us in a good place. So that really is focusing on us as the parents or the key adults in these children's lives. If we turn our attention to the children, when children hear about bad things happening in the world, it's normal and natural for them to feel afraid. How can we acknowledge that terrible things can happen in this world? Plane crashes can happen, mass shootings can occur, hurricanes come while still helping our children feel safe? Yeah, so that's a great question. You know, when a person is feeling anxious about something, it becomes really difficult to tolerate uncertainty. Mm. And so anxious children who hear about bad things happening often want to know for sure that the bad thing's not going to happen to them. And parents feel the impulse to give a blanket reassurance about the fact that the bad thing's not going to touch their child's world. As tempting as it is to give that blanket reassurance, it's actually not the most useful thing to do because kids, like from age six or seven and up, know that their parents really can't be making a guarantee about bad things happening. Mm -hmm. So parents really shouldn't try to make those guarantees. What parents can and should do instead is talk about how very, very rare these catastrophes are. And um, to talk about, well, even though the bad thing did happen, it was really unusual. And one of the reasons that people are talking about it, one of the reasons that there's so much upset about it, is that it's so unusual. And parents can then move to talking about all of the protections that are in place, both in a child's personal life and, you know, kind of in the wider world, all of the protections are, that are in place to keep things like that from happening again. So you definitely wanted to, to do, um, to give reassurance in that way without sliding into trying to give a guarantee to a child. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... In the case that somebody is listening to this right now and they haven't spoken to their children about bad things that have happened in the world and they feel like maybe I should, I, I often talk about like a really great thing to have is, is sort of pre-talks, you know, so that you kind of build on something and you're not starting from scratch, like discussions about death before someone dies in your family or discussions about sex before your child's thinking about an intimate relationship uh, or discussions about failure before your child brings home an F on the test. So what are some pre-talk conversations we can have with our children if you know we haven't had these conversations about bad things happening in the world and and making sure that 
we are not putting them in panic or anything like that, but just starting to talk about something that might be happening in the world from time to time so that we're not kind of jumping in when something like a tragedy happens and we're starting from scratch. Yeah, so I love that notion of pre-talks. Um, I've, I've, I certainly recommend that as well, but I've never called it that. <laughs> That's just my a great descriptor for it. Yeah, yes. I love yeah. that. Um, so I think that, unfortunately, there's plenty of fodder for these talks because there are lots of bad things that happen in the world. And if a parent has not spoken to their children about those kinds of things in the past, I would recommend that they start with things that are either happening far away or things that happened in the past um, but are not currently happening in the present. So you want some distance, either geographic mm. distance or um, time different distance to begin to talk to kids about the fact that bad things do happen, but um, it, help them recognize that there's there's remove from it. There's geographical distance or there's the, the um, buffer of time. And um, so we're wanting to help our kids develop some coping tools or develop resilience so that when bad things happen closer to home or when they're happening in a more immediate way, there has been some of that groundwork laid for how we think about bad things that happen, how we deal with the fears that naturally arise when we hear about bad things. Um, and how we move ourselves through coping with mm -hmm. those bad things. Mm -hmm. You had asked earlier about um, kids' natural responses to bad things that they hear about, and a really common way for children and adults to respond is to personalize yes. and to start to think about what if that bad thing happens to me or mm -hmm. someone I know and love? Mm -hmm. And that's really frightening for all of us to think about. And one skill that children can be taught is to learn how to recognize that just because they're afraid, it doesn't mean they're actually in danger. Mm. That we have kind of danger alarms that go off in our heads around potential danger. Like when we, we can get triggered by hearing something that's scary and it suddenly feels like we're in imminent danger. But those alarms can go off in our heads, not only when we're actually in imminent danger, but when we just have heard something scary, but we're not actually in danger, and that's a false alarm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so parents can kind of watch for opportunities to be talking to their kids about times that kids have felt afraid, but they have not actually been in danger. They've had one of those false alarms, and parents can be teaching their children about how to calm their brains and reground themselves in the here and now so that they can... Um, see and feel that they are in fact safe mm -hmm. yeah I loved the way that you explained a lot of that in the book about likelihood and and you know feeling the kind of deciphering between is this something that is actually likely to happen or is it something that could happen um, yeah. and you also have this great imagery about the plain marbles and the swirly marble to talk about how prevalent this kind of thing is and, and the chance of it actually happening to you. Can you explain that? 
Yeah, so it's important to, you know, make things concrete for kids and to give visuals. Um, so the book is trying to help kids understand what likelihood is. And it's um, using uh, an example of having, as you said, plain marbles, like uh, unadorned marbles and a marble with swirls on it and reaching into a jar and looking at how likely it would be to pick out the single swirly marble versus to end up with a plain one if you're blindfolded. Mm -hmm. And it kind of walks kids through, um, both in the text and through pictures, of understanding something about um, something being quite likely versus very, very, very unlikely. Mm -hmm. And there's an example first just about reaching into a jar of marbles and then the example moves to um, the possibility of getting hurt at an amusement park, which is something that is possible but extremely unlikely. And again, using the marbles and showing in a concrete way just how unlikely it get it is to get hurt on a ride in an amusement park, um, that moves kids into understanding about we do things that carry a little bit of risk. But as long as the the danger is very unlikely, we can still do those things with confidence. Like mm -hmm. we don't have to feel afraid or we don't have to keep ourselves from doing things when there's a tiny bit of risk. Because a tiny bit of risk is okay. We live with that all the time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think it's also important for kids to understand something about the way their brains work. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there's a section in the book that talks about this. First, just normalizing that there's a part of your brain whose job it is to keep you safe. And so that part of your brain pays attention to things that might be dangerous to you. And when you hear something that might be dangerous, that part of your brain sets off an alarm and you feel afraid. And um, then the book talks about it's important for kids to learn about how to make an assessment about whether you're actually in danger or whether it's a false alarm. Um, and that includes gathering accurate information. Actually, the first step is just calming your brain. And there are some strategies about how to calm your brain so you can get back to more logical thinking. And then once you're able to do more logical thinking, there are ways to gather information and to look at likelihood and things of that sort so that you can make an assessment about whether you're actually in danger or not. Mm, mm, okay. So in the in the event that something bad does happen and it's in the news and it's all over the place and people are discussing it um, and you hear from your child that they're concerned about their safety, um, they are worried about a storm coming or they're worried about getting on the plane now that they've heard about it. What are some comforting things to say to a child who is feeling actively fearful and, and some strategies to employ in that moment? Mm -hmm. So it's always helpful to start with empathy. And if you think about um, the bad thing that your child is imagining. So if your child's imagining that their, the plane is going to crash, of course they're going to be afraid. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you want to acknowledge that there's a danger alarm that's gone off in their head. They're feeling afraid about the specific bad thing that is might happen. It makes sense to be afraid. So you don't want to just be dismissive of the fear. You want to empathize with it. 
And then you can um, help your child, as I was saying, to make those assessments using logic. And you do want to give a child some information about what kinds of safeguards are in place Mm -hmm. to make it really, really, really unlikely that the bad thing's going to happen. So in the case of um, a child who's worried about their safety on an airplane, you would talk about the various um, protections, you know, the people that... um, monitor who gets on the plane and the people who are taking care of engines and the training of the pilots and the number of flights that um, happen that are like perfectly fine, nothing bad happens, you're actually giving some concrete examples. Mm. One of the things that's the case is that when we become afraid of something, we want to avoid that thing. And the avoidance actually strengthens the fear because the more that we avoid, the more it feels necessary to avoid. Mm. And we go into this pattern where as soon as we begin to feel nervous, we immediately need to back away from the thing that's making us feel nervous. And it's important for parents to not foster that avoidance, to be able to um, help children move into situations that are making them feel nervous situations that are safe that are making them feel nervous mm-hmm. absolutely because if they're they're continually to you know, avoiding it it becomes much easier to continue to avoid it so it, it's really necessary to take those steps to bring them to the airport so that they can see the planes to you know help them talk about it more and actually help to get them going onto the plane or helping them go to the school that they were feeling feeling nervous about or whatever it is so that they mm-hmm. can face their fear but you th- that you're right there nearby so that you're helping them through and you're also showing your confidence in them and in the situation again going back to what you were saying about monitoring your own behavior and emotions because if you're feeling anxious at all that child will pick up on it Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in the case that a child uh, is is still feeling quite nervous and they're really struggling with the bad news, is there something more extreme that we can do to help? Is there a, a sort of tipping point? What do we do with those kids who, who are really, really having a rough time? Yeah, so um, first it's normal for kids to have a reaction to hearing bad news. Mm -hmm. And um, I would say that you want to be giving a little bit of time to Mm -hmm. see if this settles itself out. Um, But kids that are continuing to really struggle, meaning they're asking lots of questions, they're seeking reassurance repeatedly, they're avoiding things, maybe there are changes in sleep or appetite or mood. So parents that see kids that are struggling at that level, it might make sense to seek some professional guidance um, about how to help a child with anxiety that's gotten triggered by hearing the bad news. I think more typically, it's the case that kids will be shaken and parents can address feelings directly, normalize the feelings. Um, It is always helpful to point out the um, the helpers, the protections that are in place mm-hmm. and the helpers that exist um, in the world to help kids to um, return to feeling safe and protected again. 
And then an additional thing that's incredibly helpful is to talk with a child about what they can be doing in a positive kind of way. Not necessarily what they can be doing to protect themselves, because that is sort of further underlining the potential danger that a child is in, but instead what a child and family might do to be on the side of the helpers in the world. And um, taking some kind of positive action is a really empowering thing. And it shifts the focus away from the helplessness that we, both children and adults, often feel when we hear about catastrophes to instead the the ways that we can contribute or that we can help. And even if it's, it's small steps, you know, um, sending good thoughts out into the world, participating in a march of some sort, sending supplies, um, those kinds of things just kind of change the focus in a way that's really useful. Mm-hmm, right, because you two talked about how they can move from sympathy, as you can, as you define it, as I care that you're sad, to empathy, I am sad, along with you, to compassion, I want to help you feel better. Right. And it's in that where we're talking about compassion, I want to help you feel better, that really could be a great solution for helping a child feel like they're contributing so they're they're moving from that feeling of fear to that feeling of I can do something to support right. these people. I can I can do something to to be helpful in this world. So right. the actions that you explained are are simple ways that kids can get can can move themselves into action um and you know we've seen in in some of these tragedies that even kids who draw pictures and can you know send it in a card um or kids who might contribute uh gifts from their from from their birthday um or or do a collection for uh, an event in their lives these are just small ways um, and not necessarily, they don't even have to be very creative. It can be things that, that the next door neighbor also did, but can still help them to feel more settled. Right. And this actually dovetails nicely with what many children learn at school, which is what it means to be a bystander, mm. right? So a bystander is someone who witnesses or hears about something bad that's happened. And bystanders have a choice, right? So as a bystander, you can do nothing. And then you're not contributing in any useful way. You're not changing what happened. Or a bystander can take positive action. And kids often learn about that with respect to bullying, that, that bystanders actually can be quite powerful in either standing up to a child who's being mean to another child or in just befriending um, a child who's being targeted by others. And that feeling of empowerment that even though you're a kid, you can still do something that makes a difference. You can do something that's positive. That's really helpful. And it it, um, allows children to move out of that feeling of helplessness and anxiety and fear into a stronger position. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So when a child is exhibiting some of this anxious behavior, is it 
then after you're empathetic and you're providing some strategies to help stay focused, some of the things that you had uh, talked about it just being a little bit more logical about, you know, what what was the bad thing that happened? Was it by nature or humans or both? Was it on accident or on purpose? That that kind of helped to narrow it and make it so they're not adding things in and going into details that, that actually didn't happen, that we can then say, you know, there are some things that we can do about it. Do you want to brainstorm some ways that we might be able to help? Is that is that a reasonable time to do that? Yes, it absolutely is. And, you know, more broadly, we want to be teaching our children about coping. Mm-hmm. We want our children to learn that they can be active agents in their own lives. Mm-hmm. So kids aren't just victims of their feelings. Kids can take a feeling that they're having and do something about it. And so this is another way of teaching kids that when they're sad or when they're scared, they can take positive steps that both help themselves and help the world. Like it's sort of a two for one benefit there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So when the, the that child is then out in the world and you've had these conversations with them, what do you hope that they do when they're starting to feel upset and they're not around you? They're not with you. They're, maybe they're in school and they start to feel anxious. Their brains start to go to thinking about some of these bad things. What would be the nugget of information that you would hope that the, the, the child would know to do um, when they're not with you and they start to feel those anxious feelings? Yes. Yeah, so um, I think that we can be teaching kids to talk to themselves. Mm-hmm. And the basic message that we want kids to say to themselves is, I'm safe. So for somewhat older children, they can be taught to remind themselves that just because they're afraid doesn't mean they're in danger. Mm -hmm. For younger kids, they can be taught to just say, I'm safe or I'm okay. And, um, you know, we're all talking to ourselves all the time. We vary in terms of how aware we are of that self-talk. But we can teach kids in very deliberate ways to be talking to themselves in comforting ways. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I often tell my child that we can't let anxiety drive the bus. Right. She's got to be in, in the driver's seat. Right. Uh, so, and, and it's, it's something that we've talked about for such a long time that it's, it's an image that works for her, but mm-hmm. you have to find what works for you because you know your child the best. So if you could complete this sentence, when something bad happens in the world, the best way to help our kids is... To talk about it. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's like a really concrete answer there for those people who are are really thinking about keeping these kinds of things from their children and thinking that that is the best, most protective and loving thing that they can do. Really, we're flipping it on its ear and saying, no, we really do need to talk about it. Because at the end of the day, we are the trusted source. And where do you want your child to get this information from? It needs to be filtered through you because you know your child the best. You know her feelings or his feelings. And you know what he needs to hear or she needs to hear. And if we leave it up to chance, then it can be told to them by the child on the bus or somebody in school or just hearing it along the way. And we lose control over it. Isn't that right? 
It is. So, you know, we want our children to be resilient Mm -hmm. and resilient means that they're able to face and cope with adversity and children need to be taught how to do that. So by having conversations about these difficult things that happen in the world, we're starting to build resilience. We're teaching them the skill set that they need to, to cope with difficult things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, give us your top tip. What is, what is it that you want us to come away with that will be the best thing that we can come away with, with when it comes to when bad things happen in this world and we need to talk to our children? about it so it's that it's possible to have these conversations Mm -hmm. and children are really um, hungry to understand what it is that's happening in the world around them they're made more anxious by secrets that are Mm -hmm. kept that you know they might just catch little bits and pieces of something. Um, so, so it's possible to have these conversations. And the more parents have conversations with their children about things that might feel difficult to talk about, the more they're learning how to do that, the more comfortable they'll be with that, and the better it is for kids. Mm-hmm. You set that up so well in your book where you know, you're like, you're hearing things that are happening, and your parents are focused over here, and then they're turning off the news, and there's nothing, no news on, or it's on all the time. Yes, you know, the kids are picking up on those nuances. They know us very well and they know our habits and they know, you know, when something's up. So they do get very anxious when there is an abrupt change like that. And then that's when the brain starts going haywire and trying to fill in the gaps with their own information. I remember when my my father started sleeping in in a different room than my mom when I was in my young teenage years. And I just assumed they must be getting a divorce when that had nothing, Mm -hmm. absolutely nothing to do Mm -hmm. with it at all. In fact, it was just that my father was having a lot of trouble sleeping and he kept waking up and he needed a different bed. So he didn't keep waking up my mother. It was like just absolutely nothing to do with it. But you know, you, you do, you start to just fill in the gaps with whatever, whatever you think must be going on based on the information that you have. So I think that's a great top tip and a very important top tip to just get talking, get into the habit. And when you have had these conversations, your children will continue to come to you to talk about tough things. Yes. So give us the resource of the week. Where can we go to get more information about you, this fabulous new book, and the great work you're doing? So I have a website uh, that's donhebnerphd.com, and there's information about all of my books. There is a section where there are tips for parents that are brief articles about a variety of things that have to do with raising children, uh, links to my TED Talk and podcasts. So that would be a good place to go. Wonderful. Yes. And so many of your great books are up there and, and really so important to get. I just think they speak so well to kids. And for today, I want to thank you so much for joining us. I I love the way that you talk about these very uh, interesting issues and these issues that we really do need to talk about with our kids, but you talk about them in such an accessible way. Um, So I I absolutely urge people to to get the book and to read it with their children. Um, It it really gives you the word. So in this case, it's, uh, it's really having Don Huebner in your back pocket so that everybody is on the same page. And I just really appreciate all your hard work in this area. So thank you so much. 
Thank you so much for having me. Well, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends. I know you have yours, so let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook. We can go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page or let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash drrobin. I'm also on Instagram at drrobinsilverman. I'll be creating and sharing some memes based on Don Huebner's notable quotables from this podcast episode so that you can share them with your friends and your family and your followers. And if you love this podcast like I did, I hope you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review it so other people can learn about these outstanding solutions, these incredible issues, and use them in their own homes. It does make a difference. And honestly, I truly appreciate it if you do that. That's all the time we have for today, my fellow parents, leaders, and educators. Thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. So many great podcasts are up there, and the show notes to this podcast will be up there as well. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even when it feels like nothing is going right, we all have those days. You've got this. You're here. You're getting the information you need. Perhaps you're thinking, I didn't talk about this or that. I did not go into this or that with this tragedy. And now you feel like you made a mistake. No, no. This is not what's happening. There's always tomorrow. There's always today. You can have these conversations. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. I see you and I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information,